Welcome to another episode of a Backyard Ultra podcast. I'm Pato, and this is the fourth ever episode of the show. So, I, I think most of you would probably know that last weekend was huge in the Backyard Ultra world. It was the Satellite Backyard Ultra World Championships. Australia fielded a really strong team, and they ran it, ran it at uh, Miram Wernet. It was a really good weekend. And I tell you what, I didn't have Facebook until I started this podcast because I realized if you want to follow Backyard Ultras, you need to have Facebook because you can't back, you can't Google this stuff. Anyway, Australia came third in the world, third. And that's against another 36 countries as well. So they absolutely smashed it. I knew that they'd do well, but I was there for a couple of nights and watching it firsthand, you you really got a sense of how long these these guys are running for and how bloody unreal they are. I tell you what, I'll read their results one by one, each runner by runner. Jess Smith did 27 yards, Matt Doobie did 30, Chris Martin 34, Ben Hurst 40, Carl Douglas, 41, Margie Hadley, 47, which is also the Australian record uh, for a female, Aaron Young and Chris Murphy, both with 48, Ross McPhee, 49, Tim Caprizak, 50, John Yoon, 51, Ben Nichols, 56, Rob Parsons, 73, Ryan Crawford, the White Kenyan, 75, and Phil Gore was the last one standing. He ran 76 yards. 76 yards, that's, that's more than three whole days running 100 miles a day in a row. Um, that's 509 kilometres. And guess what? Guess who I've got on as a guest this week? The man himself, the one who was last one standing, Phil Gore and his crew and wife, Gemma Gore. Okay, g'day, Phil and Gemma. Welcome to the podcast. How are you going? Uh, good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, Pato. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah, no worries. Um, I guess, first of all, I ha- how have you pulled up after after the race last weekend? Both of you. Uh, Me or Phil? <laughs> Both of you. Um, well, normally I like to try and get out for a run the next day, but that didn't happen this time. Yeah. Um, I've been out for one 5K walk since. Um, but I've got an appointment with the physio tomorrow, so I'll wait and see what he says before I get back into training. Yeah, good idea. And did it take you long, Gemma, to catch up on sleep? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm only just starting to feel normal now, really. Um, yeah, I actually complained to Phil today that my hip was a bit sore and I got zero sympathy. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm still recovering as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Satellite World Championships, like, when did you make that your number one focus? Um, so it's always been sort of something that I thought I would do, but it wasn't until after birdies finished that I switched my focus towards it. Um, so with birdies, we had a few more of the WA people qualify, and then the week after that was um, Clint Eastwood, and um, we saw the people over there qualify. So I kind of had an idea of, of who the team was going to be um and yeah i just from from then just put my training focus towards coming 
going over to Victoria to do that. But, but really, I mean, going back a year ago when Phil did qualify for Bigs um, and really wanted to get over there, but with all the, you know, closure, especially in our state, in WA, um, trying to get – we could get to the US, we could get back, but we couldn't get back into – we couldn't get back home because we couldn't get back into the state. So that really was when you were like, no, we've got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was for the um, individual world championship last year. We couldn't get to, so then yeah, I switched my focus to to the satellite championship this year. Yeah, and did um, when you when the backyard ultra world championships was major number one focus? Did you tra- did you change your training to uh, make it more specific towards that event? Um, yeah, so once um, yeah, once I started my training block for it, I started including a lot more hills and a lot more grass running just because we were I was expecting to run it on the original Miram Wernet course yeah. which I knew wasn't a great course and I knew it was quite technical and hilly and but beautiful yeah it's nice <laughs> um but I thought yeah if we're going to go big on this I, I need to um make my focus the, the hills and the grass aspect of the course yeah so you must have been keeping your eye on the weather a lot with the rain and stuff um i i tend not to look at the weather too much because it's not something i control yeah um i look at it yeah i look at it and keep it quiet um but obviously we're all aware of the floods and um what was happening yeah but it wasn't until we kind of got there that we realized the extent of it and how much it was going to affect the course and and the event yeah and did running on grass or expecting to run on grass did that like make a difference to what shoes you were planning to wear yeah so i i brought over five pairs of trail shoes and five pairs of road shoes right so i always like to be prepared for anything um but mainly i just wanted to have a lot of shoes so i had the five trail shoes but then the road shoes were there if the you know, the trail shoes got too wet and I needed to go into a dry pair. I'd just have those other ones as backups. Um, and it's just good to have different types of shoes. Um, but, yeah, as it turned out, I ended up relying on the road shoes a bit more, um, which yeah. suited me fine. Yeah, that's that was lucky. Did you wear – so you wouldn't have worn your um, trail shoes at all then, I guess? I did actually wear them for a few laps. Um, or how many? I think for like maybe six or eight hours, I wore them. Yeah. Um, just to have something different. Um, but I just ended up just going back to what I was comfortable in. Yeah. And when did you actually touch down in a, like in Victoria from WA? Because it would have been massive logistically, like packing all your stuff and touching down and organizing that all. How did that all work out? Yeah. So we arrived. Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday afternoon Yeah. Um, with the idea of having the rest of Thursday to kind of do our shopping and set ourselves up and then just having Friday and Saturday to relax and unwind. Um, but then with all the drama about the, the course changing and or if it was even going to be there, things like that, the, um, the days of relaxation turned to a couple of days of stress, but we got there in the end. And so did you go straight to Miram Wern at the course 
like from the airport did you or no so we went um so we stayed in we was going to stay in kilmore yeah, we hired a uh, motorhome yeah um and we drove we drove up to kilmore because it looked like a nice quiet town somewhere to just spend a night and then as we just about as we got there one of the peters messaged and said don't go to kilmore it's it's flooding you'll get you'll get stuck there so yeah that plane went out the window and we ended up in Romsey on the side of the road yeah. <laughs> camping for the night um yeah that was thursday yeah um so we'd actually done the day before like before we even flew out we'd actually done a click and collect order at the coles yeah in kilmore so yeah. like we got there picked up our order and then it's like yeah we can't stay here <laughs> Um, we were going to go stay at the farm, but then just the roads trying to get to the farm were, were getting flooded and it just wasn't safe. So we stayed in Romsey. Um, and then the next day we went down back towards Melbourne and sort of hung around there until we worked out what was going to happen with the course. Yeah. Because I actually heard um, rumours that they were actually thinking of moving the course like to places like Coburg Park Run and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so I think they were just trying to look at all of their options and, yeah, Coburg was one that was thrown out there as, as you know, if we can't do it on the farm at all, then we'll try and get it back up yeah, in place. Yeah, the park run course possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was a bit crazy, but, um, look, they, everyone, you know, pitched together and everyone threw ideas around to try and get the best result, you know. But it all, like... It all worked out. Yeah, and it's it's a it's really good how it worked out because the amount of rain you had actually meant that the road was closed. So at the end of the day, you ran the whole thing on the road. Yeah, yeah, which Along without that rain wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how how it turned out. Yeah, and um, I know I didn't I actually um was wondering. I know you love your gooder sunglasses, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. How many pairs of gooders did you bring with you? Too many. <laughs> um, I only brought about half of them. I think there was eight, eight there. So just under half of what I've got. We had them laid out on the bed, and he said to me, "Now which one should I take?" And I said, "Well, get that one, that one, that one." He's like, "No, no, I need that one." And we literally just, yeah. I said, "Don't bring any." But how many did you bring? Eight. Yeah, I think eight. Yeah. And how do you decide? when to change your sunglasses and <laughs> sunglasses you're going to change too uh well it depends on what clothes i'm wearing what's going to match yeah um but yeah sometimes it's like well i've, I've worn these for three laps now i need something new and just change it to something different yeah. um and i've got ones that are like better in like low light conditions as well so around dawn and dusk um i'll have ones which is more of a clear lens and it also helps, you know, when you're looking through the photos, if you haven't got the time on there, you know sort of when it was, depending on what glasses he's wearing. Oh, yeah. Well, they're cool. They're cool-looking sunglasses, that, that's for sure. I've, got, I've only got one pair, but the lenses are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Um, and once the event actually started and you actually started running, there was constant talk all around the place like are they going to keep on running on the road or are they going to switch to the paddock what what were you thinking and were you talking about it amongst yourselves while you're actually running yeah so us runners did talk about it um the consensus seemed to be to everyone wanted to stay on the road 
um, yeah, the the paddock just seemed like there was going to be too much water on there. Um, you, you know, you'd be changing your shoes every lap. You'd, your feet would just get damaged. Um, so we, we were happy to be on the road. Uh, there might have been one or two people that wouldn't mind going on the paddock, but um, I think as it turned out with it being on the road, they, they were happy with that as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I tried not to stress about it too much. Like if, if they were going to change it to the paddock, then that's just how it would be and I'd, I'd do the best that I can on there. But I did talk to my crew and kind of got my crew to talk to the, the run directors and see if they could they could stress about that instead of me me worrying about it. Yeah. Did either of you actually walk on the paddock to see what the course was actually like? Uh, I didn't. Um, uh, I didn't, but, but a couple of... We'd, we'd spoken to people who had. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it didn't sound great. Yeah, because I, I had a walk around it and it you would have been it would have only taken a couple hundred meters and your feet would have been soaking wet after only yeah. a couple hundred meters so um i think the road w worked out perfectly to be yeah. on yeah you definitely got would have wouldn't have been able to do it, well you might have still been able to get 76 laps but it would have been <laughs> a lot harder yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and one of the docos on YouTube I've seen, um, I forget what it's called. I was just watching it before. But anyway, like you had the whole, um, each lap drawn out on a piece of paper. How are you going to um, approach each lap? Mm. How, if you're going to run it fast, slow, what you're going to eat. Yeah, Did you, that, do you still do that now? Yeah, so pretty much each time I do a backyard, I grab the plan from the previous backyard and just tweak it a bit. So I'll add things to it or take things out that didn't work or adjust times, um, things like that. But yeah, each, each time I'm just constantly learning from what I've done and tweaking my plan to, to better set the next time. And I, I think I've fine tuned it pretty well now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I go into the next one, there'll, there'll probably be a few more changes again. Mm. And yeah, do you so, uh, sorry. Go it's on. all right. I was going to say, so as crew, like we know exactly what's happening every lap. So before he yeah. goes out, we say, okay, this lap, this is the pace you're doing. This is what you're doing at the end of the lap, what, whatever he's eating, whatever it's going to be. Um, so he knows, he doesn't have to think about it. All the thinking's already been done. Yeah. So, um, so do you sometimes adjust it? Like you look at it after one lap and say, oh, look, maybe let's, well, I was oh, yeah. going to do this one fast, but I might actually do it slow, for example. So, yeah. yeah it's yeah. not set in stone yeah um, it, it is dynamic and especially as it gets towards the end um because i can just never predict how i'm going to be feeling at 72 hours yeah. so I'll, I'll have that as a as a rough guide um but yeah it can change depending on um how i'm feeling at the time or um you know weather conditions or anything else that, that might affect it yeah and and Gemma, when Phil is going deep into a backyard ultra like this do you talk about um before races start do you talk about like when like just say for example phil you come back in and you're feeling like you can't go on do you have like a rule like you've got to make <laughs> not allowed to let me quit for example so the rule is 
if I can't see a bone sticking out, then he's out. He goes back out. That's it. That's the rule. Yeah. So yeah. Their, their job's to get me to the start line and then my job's to get from the start line to the finish line. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and Gemma, do you, even if a bone's not sticking out, do you ever, like, feel, like, worried about him but you still no. make him no. go out? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can't because then he'll have an excuse to stop. No, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty harsh like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do love him, honestly. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's our rule. No, that's a good that's rule. It. I like it, yeah. And, and leading up to the race, like, how did you feel like? I mean, it started at 11 o'clock at night, which is a bit different. I pro you pro all your others have probably started a lot earlier than that. Um, how did you, like, like, new, like, with your nutrition and stuff like that, how did you plan all that? How, what did you do, basically? Um, so probably about three weeks before I started adjusting my sleep pattern. So just going to bed a little bit earlier, waking up a bit earlier. Um, so by the time I actually got to race day, I could go to bed at, what, what was it, one? Okay. I went to bed at one in the afternoon and woke up at 10 o'clock. Right. So I still got a solid block of sleep before the event. Um, the start time was something I wasn't going to be able to change. So it's just like, well, how do I work around this? Um, but, yeah, and then so my nutrition, I just try to stick to just my normal um, meals that I would eat, but instead of, you know, eating it at a certain time of day, it's like so many hours before bed or so many hours after waking up or whatever. So as my bedtime and my wake-up time shifted, so did my meal times. And what do you like to eat before an event like this? Um for an event so yeah so I do carb loading um so like pa pasta and rice dishes um like I'll start on my trail brew two days before as well um just to get those extra carbs in through that um what else do I eat yeah just what I normally eat but a little bit more yeah yeah and were you nervous before the start of the race were there nerves uh not so much nerves, but I was stressed just yeah. because of the course being up in limbo and we didn't know what was happening with that. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't really, yeah, I wouldn't say I was nervous. Yeah. Did it, um, so when the race started, like, like, did it take long for, like, do you just get settled into a rhythm? It did a little bit, but I think only because we're starting in, in the middle of the night and it kind of felt like, was just coming into the, the middle of the event. Um, like normally when you're starting at like 10 o'clock in the morning or something, you just, you can get into that rhythm straight away. Um, but yeah, just, I think that start time kind of threw me a little bit and, you know, normally like each lap I'd sleep at night, but I'm not going to do that for lap one or lap two. So straight away, I was kind of thrown a little bit that, you know, I'm running on a night lap here, but it's, I'm not sleeping at the end of it. I'm, I'm still trying to treat it as the as the start of if I was to start at ten in the morning, sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, like starting at night time as well. You would have had when you're running with someone, their torches would have been shining in your eyes. It would have been like hard, like knowing who you were next to and stuff like that too. Because uh, there wasn't too many of us. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't hard to. Yeah. sort of know who is who 
And I think there was just one time I was running alongside someone and they kept turning to to look at me and I'm like, sorry, I don't mind talking to you, but just look straight when you're talking because, <laughs> you know, that light keeps shining in my eyes. Yeah. Um, it, but, yeah, other than that, it was fine. Yeah. Were you guys, like, talking a lot during the loops? Like, Yeah, I think every lap I was talking to someone. Yeah. Um, so it started out because there were seven of us from WA. It was normally the WA guys I was talking to, but, you know, as we got deeper into the event, you know, I'd be running with different people and get to know the other runners, which is really good. Yeah. And, like, were you guys, like, cracking jokes or were you serious the whole time or was there, like, one runner who told the best jokes? Uh, I don't remember anyone telling any jokes. It wasn't, like, really serious. It was just a lot of it was, like, getting to know each other, um, what sort of other runs have they done, you know, what are their, you know, strategies and um, things like that. Um, but, yeah. Chris was pulling some pranks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Chris likes to have a bit of fun, Chris Martin. Chris yeah. Martin came up to me and he said, Gemma, just pretend you've lost all of Phil's um, like lip balm things and I'll give you this red lipstick. <laughs> what? <laughs> so he's like, come on, it'll be funny, you know, Phil will put it on and have bright red lipstick on. And I was like, no, that's just going to set him off. That's not a good idea. <laughs> but, yeah, Chris, Chris just wanted it to be fun from the get-go. Yeah. So he's, yeah. The, he's the prankster. And then he gave you a fun police hat. Remember yeah. that? So um, <laughs> at Birdie's, Chris and Aaron pulled out this speaker and they were running with it in a backpack and had the music cranking and I was running right behind him and it kind of bothered me a little bit. And so when we were talking about it afterwards, after that lap, I asked him nicely not to bring it out because <laughs> it was annoying me. So this time they brought the speaker out and they gave me a fun police hat to wear. <laughs> they gave me a, a part of paper to take down any complaints from anybody <laughs> and, and, and did you not like it because of the music or you just didn't like uh, it? it was just at that point in the race i just wasn't in the mood to yeah. to listen to any of that yeah. and i think just where i was sitting like right behind it as well i was just getting that full volume so once i yeah was running in front of him it wasn't it wasn't an issue it was just where i was sitting behind him but yeah. those three are all good friends they go on lots of you know runs together so yeah. It's all in good time. Yeah. And that reminds me, um, Gemma, have um have you got Barbie Girl out of your head yet? <laughs> he keeps telling me off. Like I thought it was he sang the whole song, but apparently he only sang what one line to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. It's a bit of a blur. It's a very <laughs> definitely a blur. <laughs> well, the race directors loved that song. They were playing it while while the guys are out on on their runs, that, that song was playing the whole time, I thought. That's what I yeah, thought. Between, either that or the Macarena, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm too sexy as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, and so one thing that I found interesting, Phil, was um, your plan with showers, like because you, you had a few showers, I noticed, while you were running between loops, were you, was that in the um, camper van you were having those showers? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we hired the camper van specifically um, to have a shower in it. And a toilet. Um, yeah, and a toilet. And yeah, a, yeah. toilet. Um, and, but, oh, sorry. Yeah, so it's just having a shower. It's, uh, I think, what, probably the third backyard ultra I did. Um, I just went in and had a shower. And it just gave me like this new lease of energy and I just felt so refreshed. And it's more about, it's not just about getting clean um, because, you know, you're only going to get sweaty again anyway. 
but it's just um it, it just makes you reset. feel like yeah it's like a reset button it's like you're facing a new day again um yeah so it, that's something i try to incorporate out of my backyards now um so um and just depending like if it's really hot like curtis was really hot i was doing two showers two showers a day um but birdies is a bit cooler i'd get away with one shower but it's just yeah when that sun comes up and it, you know it's a new day just go have a shower feel refreshed um and yeah just just makes you makes you feel heaps better yeah, just, you, you it's can just go like a little enough. it's a little psychological boost yeah um so is is Herdy's the one the hot one is it yeah yeah so that's um in march yeah and um this year it's quite humid as well yeah because that video on youtube where you did 48 that looked like it was absolutely scorching and, mm, um, yeah and big kev he looked <laughs> he looked he, he he put in a few extra laps to um help you get that 48 yards that's for sure yeah he put in a lot of extra laps he was expecting to finish around 34 or something yeah. and he's pushed himself all the way to 47. yeah that so was amazing good. and also with the showers is it also like a way to wake you up a little bit instead of a sleep you have a shower uh i guess there's a little bit of that um yeah, it's just it's just that as I said, a psychological boost. It's you just it's like hitting the reset button. It's like you've you've got you've made it through the night. Um, you know the sun's coming up. I'm nice and clean and ready to tackle another day. Yeah, and as far as sleep goes, how easy do you find it to go to sleep between yards? Um, I'm getting pretty good at it. So when I first on my first ever backyard, I didn't even plan sleep, but there was a couple of laps where it's like, oh, I'll do a quicker lap here so I can try to get a bit more sleep. And I just couldn't do it at all. Um, but because I've done a few now, um, I'm getting the hang of it. And I never really like put pressure on myself to get to sleep. It's always just about lying down and relaxing and, and resetting myself. And so if I sleep, then that's a bonus. But if I don't, I don't get hung up about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I use a lot of um, meditation and noise cancelling headphones. Mm. Um, and Nathan on my crew, he's actually a hypnotherapist as well, so he does that sometimes, and that that helps a lot. Yeah, that's all right. Um, and is it only during night time you try to sleep, or do you sleep during the day as well? Yeah, just at night because that's when your body, like in its circadian rhythm, it's expecting to sleep anyway. You've got that melatonin building up. Um, so I just find it easy to sleep, sleep at night. Yeah. Um, and it's also better, I think, when it's colder at night to do those laps a bit quicker so you're not getting too cold out on course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, during the day it's a bit more social and I spend time, you know, talking to more people and it, it's okay if the laps are a little bit slower. So just just doing the sleeps at night just, just works well in all aspects. And, and there were the nights were cold, weren't they? Oh, they were yeah. freezing, yes. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was ice on the cars that you were running past. Yeah, yeah. You were sleeping in a tent, weren't you, Pato? Yeah, I was sleeping in a tent and it was freezing. I kept all my clothes on. I stood up in my tent and and then I, uh, my head hit the roof, and there was ice on my head. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, so when you when you do sleep at night time, do you? 
stick to this plan? Like, or do you sometimes think, oh, I'm not tired, I'm not going to sleep this yard, I'll take it a bit slower and not sleep? Or do you sleep just to, um, so you sleep before you get tired? No, if it's, if it's on the plan to sleep, then I'll sleep. Yeah. Um, the only, yeah, as, as it gets towards the end and I might not be able to get the laps done as quick, um, then I might skip the sleep because, you know, I'm limited on time and, you know, have other things I need to do instead. But generally it's, it, yeah, it's not a matter of waiting till I'm tired. It's we're now on a night lap. This is sleeping for this one. So I'll just go down. And as I said, if I don't get to sleep, it's not a big deal. As long as I lie down, close my eyes and can just rest for a bit. Yeah. Have you calculated how many hours or how much time you actually slept during the race? Yeah. So I think I was getting about two and a half to three hours a night. That's pretty good. Um, More than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the music was when the Phil, you might not know this, but when you went off running, they, the music was absolutely cranking at the <laughs> um, at the hub, so it was pretty hard to sleep. So yeah, noise cancelling headphones. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I've actually heard some runners say that um, they sleep. I wouldn't say they sleep while they run, but they call it sleep running. Have Have you heard of that, or have you tried it? Or I've, I've heard it? of it. It's not something I can do, or I've bothered to try doing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I mean, the closest I'll get is, um, you know, coming in towards the end of that lap when, when I'm going to sleep at the end, you know, might turn my headlamp off and, you know, if I've got music in, you, you know, turn the music off and just try and re rest and relax until I actually, you know, get myself ready for, for having that sleep. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as for sleeping on course, it's not really, not really something I do. Yeah, um, and nutrition during the race. Um, what type of things did you eat between yards? Um, so rice cream is a big one for me, um, like toast with Vegemite or peanut butter or Nutella, um, avocado. Um, what else do I have? You're cooking it's it. It's a blur. <laughs> Yeah, yeah hash browns, potatoes. Yeah. Um, I've got like a snackle box, which has got like a mix of different lollies and, you know, jelly beans, gummy bears, um, muesli he's, bars. He's lucky. He's got a nutritionist who writes it all up for him, so that makes it nice and easy. Yeah, so Gabby Villa at Intense Eat Fit, she um, basically writes all my plan for me. And then it's just a matter of my crew reading it and saying, right, on your next lap you're having rice cream or you're having an LCM bar. Yeah, and then we just go with that. And if it's like, oh, actually, I don't feel like I could eat that, then I just look at the food chart and pick something else that so might have, be more suitable. We have the alternatives that have the same number of calories, so we right. know not to switch up for something that has different amount of calories. Oh, okay, that's it's all written cool. down everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and did you? The next question was a good one. I forget what it was now. Oh, did you? Do you eat? while you're actually out on your loop or do you only eat between loops? Um, very rarely I'll eat while I'm out on a loop. Um, so I'll take trail brew with me. Um, so I'll, I'll drink the trail brew while I'm running and that will get me my calories during the lap. But all of my eating I try to do 
while I'm in my break and just yeah. just to let it settle in the stomach better. Um, but, yeah, sometimes, like, if I've done a quick lap and I've come in and I've spent all of that time sleeping and I haven't had time to eat, I might just grab something small and, and eat it in that first few hundred metres. Mm. Uh, but gen generally, it's, yeah, I'll, I'll just eat it during the break. Yeah. So backyard ultras are said to be easy until they're not. Yeah. At what point did it stop being easy for you in this race? Um, so it was around lap 65. I had an issue with my leg. Um, so the, the leg issue actually started probably around, I think, lap 15 or lap 16, but it wasn't. It was only mild. Um, but around lap 65, I kind of felt something ping and I thought I'd damage my muscle. Um, but I think it turned out that it was a cramp. Um, but that was the point where, you know, Gem was in bed and I came in and spoke to my other crew and I said, I think you better get Gem up. Hey, this might be my last lap. Wow. Um, but I, I was at that point that I wanted to quit. And then, yeah, my crew was really good. They um, did some troubleshooting. Um, they called Gabby, my nutritionist, who I mentioned before, um, and they, they kind of came up with a plan to keep me moving for a few more laps. So I checked yeah. for any bones sticking out and there wasn't any, so out he went. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I'm like, I'll try to do the next lap, but I, I don't no. know if I'll, if I'll come in. <laughs> Um, and as it turned out, I think that lap was a little bit quicker um, because of the pain in my leg. I couldn't actually walk that lap, walk any part of that lap. So I just ended up running the whole thing. Mm. So, yeah, ended up being a bit quicker. Um, mm. And then, yeah, with the troubleshooting from my crew, it kind of just got a bit better over time. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, <laughs> it's a bit later on in the race, I'm like, when did I have that issue with my leg? Did I was there something wrong with my leg before? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was kind of a bit delirious, but I knew like something had happened to my leg, and then yeah. I, I was like, I didn't know if it was like you know five hours ago or twenty four hours ago. Um, but yeah, so that was another thing I was interested in. When you do a faster lap, do you do that by running faster or by walking less? Yeah, walking less. So I have a, a pace that I pretty much stick to. Um, but, yeah, if it's going to be a slow lap, it just means that there'll be a few walking breaks in there. Um, and, yeah, when it comes up to a fast lap, I just there'll, – there'll still be one or two walking breaks in there. Um, but, yeah, generally it's, it's running most of the time. Yeah. And, yeah, one of the things I also had written down to ask you was, like, Dead Cow Gully were actually posting some really good updates during the race. And they actually yep. noticed that you looked a bit distressed around that 65, 70 yard mark. So yeah. I was going to ask you about that, but um, but it, but it sounds like it, it it all. I mean, the leg was okay. So and, and you've confirmed it was cramp, or you're still not sure? Um, well, I have to go to the physio. Like I, I still can't run on it now. Yeah. Um, but it, it did get better towards the end of the event. Um. Not a hundred percent. I could all. I could always feel that there was something there, but it was around that lap sixty-five that I felt like I was in serious trouble. Yeah. Um. And I was like, well, I'll just you know keep going out for another lap, and we'll see what happens with this. And um, just ended up taking a lot of salts and a lot of sugar, and um, yeah, it, it did improve. So it might have been a, it might have been a cramp, but um, we'll we'll wait and see what physio says. 
yeah hopefully it's just a cramp yeah <laughs> um, it, feel, it feels like there's some proper damage down there now but we'll wait and see yeah um so so you were the last one standing at 76 yards yeah like, could you sense that the ending was near or were you surprised when it finished so when there was three of us i wasn't really even looking towards the end because i just yeah. There's just a different vibe in the three of you, and you don't know when it's going to end. So you're just taking it lap by lap. But then once Rob dropped out, um, I thought, okay, the end's coming up soon. Like it's going to be between me and Ryan now to see who's the see who's the most stubborn. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up Rob because he's a fellow WA guy, and yeah. um, to me, he was the surprise packet of the event yeah yeah did you did you know he was that good i i wasn't expecting him to go that far um yeah because i knew his pv 44 at um birdies and i'd run with him there and yeah he he looked like at the end of that i didn't think he could do too much more and then so yeah when he's getting into the 70s with me and ryan i was just like what was what's he changing his training between birdies and now like he's doing awesome um, and he, even when he dropped out at um, 73, yeah. he, like my crew was saying, he's still walking around at the he camp came over and stuff. And, fire and he yeah. was standing, he wasn't even sitting down. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, so yeah. maybe he even had more in him than that. Yeah. Um, but hats off to his wife, Jack. She did it all by herself. Um, and yeah, she was getting sleeps. I'm going to have to pick her brain, I think, because she did an awesome job. Yeah. Awesome job. Um, one thing I noticed during the time I was there is how um, comfortable he looked. Like he was, it was consistent. I think that's the word. He was coming in pretty much at this around about the same time every loop, um, hour after hour after hour at the same yeah. pace. He just was. He was just in the zone. By from what I saw. That was an amazing performance. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so I guess the next question I've got is going to kind of by be dictated by what the physio says, but what are you, as far as your plans and goals between now and Biggs goes, like what, what's, what's the plan? Um, so there's the Australian Backyard Masters, which is at Dead Cow Gully in June, um, which I've signed up for. Yep. Um, so that one and, and bigs are going to be my two big runs for next year. And I'll just sort of, yeah, work out in between what, what other events I want to do. So I'll probably do herdies and use that as a, as a training run because we're going to have to change a few things going to bigs because mm -hmm. you're only allowed one crew there mm -hmm. and there's going to be limited equipment that we can have. So I might try and use that as an event to replicate conditions at bigs and see how we go. Um, but yeah, other other than those two, there's no other sort of big ones I've got got planned. Um, so that backyard backyard masters looks exciting. Uh, there's yeah. an amazing field lined up already. Yeah, yeah, so, can't wait. Um, are you going to try? I guess you're going to try and just go as far as you possibly can with that one. Maybe break the Australian record again. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> I'll be there as long as it takes. Yeah. I've, I've got a streak to maintain now. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So also something I thought was that you've done recently that's amazing that's not a backyard ultra is your 255 kilometres that you did at the 24-hour track event. I think it was in camp in the ACT. Yeah, um, so that one was that one was 250Ks on the track. So I did do a 255 year last year right. um, at Lighthorse. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, but that wasn't on a track. Yeah. 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 So th this one, yeah, the one in Canberra was on a track. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was 250Ks. Yeah. And that was, I think, I'm pretty sure I'm right. That was like the 11th best 24-hour result in, by an Australian. Of all time, or was it something like that? Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> <laughs> do you have um, what? What do you have any plans for that, or is that something you think about later on after you've um, the ultra stuff? I, I prefer the backyards over the twenty fours, and it is hard to kind of balance them depending on where the events fall within the year. So, next year is the World Champs um, in November. Um, but to sign up for that and to sign up for bigs, like if I end up injuring myself at bigs or go too hard at bigs, it might make it hard to get to the world champ. So I'm just going to have to play that by ear. I'd like to be able to get to both, but it's just a matter of whether I can recover and train again in time. Because mm, the 24 hour actually seems to take more out of him than doing a backyard because there's no restriction. He doesn't have to rest. So he just goes leather and yeah um it's very hard to get both types of races into yeah mm. um but i reckon that's a good double though the australian 24-hour team and the australian backyard ultra team that's a that's a really yeah. good achievement yeah 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 um so i've got some ins i posted a instagram questions thing for people to post their questions for you. And I got a few responses. Um, the first question was from Rose Soli, and it was just a one-word question. Why? <laughs> um, I think it's just because I found something that I'm good at. So I like it because I'm good at it. Yeah. And, um, and you like that there's no... And there's no limit. You can just you can see how far you can go. Yeah, you get to test your limits, and um, but yeah, to be able to compete at the level that I'm competing at, like I couldn't do that in any other sport. So backyard yeah. ultras just suit me. Yeah. Um. Were, were you a sporty dude like growing up at school and stuff like that? Not really. I just did cross country and athletics. But I was never into the like team sports or ball sports or any of that. Like I don't have a lot of coordination. So like if I try to play soccer or football or cricket or one of those, it's, it doesn't go too well. But running, you don't need a lot of coordination for that. So it's yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, Fiona loves asks, what's Gemma's favourite thing about Phil? <laughs> Um, on the spot, yeah. I'm on the spot. Um, I'm, he wants me to say his sense of humour, but it's terrible, so I'm not going to say that. Um, I, <laughs> just, yeah, he's um, just like the mentality of 
he just never gives up. Like he never quits. I'm one of these people who's just, yeah, that's too hard. Throw in the towel. But somehow he just, yeah, just, just keeps going no matter what. And yeah, I really admire that. Yeah. Cool. Um, Smurf and Smurf um, Smurf try have yep. asked questions. Gemma, hardest and most rewarding parts of crewing for Phil? Um, most rewarding part is that that the end when it's over. Yeah. Um, and also the other rewarding thing is like all the friends I've made and um, we've got like this awesome family, really more than friends. Um, and I yeah wouldn't have any of them without this whole crazy running adventure that we're on. Um, the hardest thing is probably when I'm tired. And he corrects me or corrects my maths 74 hours into a race when I say, yeah. <laughs> so I said, oh, Phil, finish this lap, it'll be 500 k's. And he just looks at me and goes, no, that's the 75th lap, Gemma. Can't you do simple maths? This is like 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, so that's the hardest thing is when he's always right and I'm not. <laughs> um, that's one of the things that I love about back out ultras and running just running in general is the people involved in it like i've never met a better group of people to just hang out with um another question from smurf and smurfette try does Gemma feel pressure to have everything sorted for feels into loophole time feels what (laughs) i'm gonna break (laughs) I'm I'm pretty organized though like I'll have everything set up before the event starts exactly how I want it um but yeah sometimes I'll get like a few laps in or wherever and you know oh is there anything you need for your next lap oh can you just try to tidy up in here a bit (laughs) so I like I like to have everything like yeah neat and organized and you know, just when they're like, oh, where is this thing? And I'll be able to tell them exactly where it is. Um, but, yeah, if everything's kind of a bit chaos, it sets me off a little bit. Yeah, um, he likes everything organised. But, yeah, and they, they, do, they do a pretty good job with pretty keeping good. it that way. But when you get deeper into the event and, you know, things are a bit more hectic, you know, something might not get put back in the right spot or whatever. So whenever they've got a bit of spare time, I'm just like, yeah, you just tidy up a bit. Smurf and Smurf it tries next question is Gemma. I've been busy. Yeah, yeah, that's in a few. What does Gemma think it will take for Phil to reach 100? A new wife. Sorry, not funny. Um, After that, I just thought, I don't want to do this again. And I just said to him, a hundred, like, that's hard work. I think, I don't know. What is it going to take? I don't know, just keep following, <laughs> just keep oh doing what I'm doing, God. following. Just, my, my plan goes up to, well, this time it went up to 128 hours. Yeah. I think Phil so, can reach a hundred. I just don't think I can reach a hundred. Yeah. You, you just need to get a bit more sleep in there. Yeah. <laughs> One I thing I, He's fine. I tell you what though, like, after, after when I was at Moon Wernet, I realized that 
the event definitely goes slower when you're not a runner. Mm. When you're running, it definitely goes faster. Uh -huh. Okay. There's definitely a few laps out there that dragged out a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the, the good thing why, yeah, it's good for spectators. Well, maybe not there at the event, but at home, they just need to tune in every hour and, and yeah. even for like when it's the satellite championships, they probably don't even need to tune in for the first 36 hours. Yeah. Um, it's just the warm up. Yeah. But I, I think it's good for spectators in that aspect. You just, you know, you just need to check what's going on in that hour. Yep. Cool. Go back to your work or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see how if you're there and you're not involved in crewing or running, um, there could probably be a bit of a spare time in between. But e even if you're a spectator, I think the good thing about backyard ultras is there's just one spot you need to go to to see what's going on. Like, mm. yeah. Whereas compared to like a 100k trail run, for example, like you either go to the beginning or the end, but and that's all you see. But with the backyard ultra, you're there for as long as you like, and you get to actually see a lot. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, and you can yeah you can set up your camp there. You can cook all your food there. Um, yeah, you don't need to worry about driving off and trying to catch them at a certain time. Yeah, you know if you sleep in for a lap, it doesn't matter because you'll catch them on the next lap. So, mm. um, any advice for crew on how to best support their runner? How's that for me? Yeah. Um, uh, get lots of crew, get lots of people to help you. Um, yeah. The best thing, I guess the best thing is to know your runner. Um, it helps being married to them. Know what they've done before because inevitably there's going to come a point in the race where they say, I can't do this. But you know that they have done this before, so you have to draw on that experience. So knowing everything he's been through before and all the um, challenges he's had in previous races and being able to, um, yeah, talk about those and remind him, just remind him of what he has done before and how far, you know, how far mm. he's come. So I think that's, does that help or not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess so, yeah, it, it helps having crew that know you um, and know your little intricacies of, like, Know, how you make like your toasted sandwich made, oh, and I how you like your potatoes time. cooked, and yeah. So, so that stuff, that stuff helps. Um. So yeah, I guess yeah. Know your runner, know your crew. Um. Nicole Jukes asked a good question. Did Phil grow a beard over the four days? <laughs> I knew she'd have a good question. I, I wasn't. I wasn't fully clean shaven at the start. But there was definite growth by the, by the end of it anyway. Yeah. I saw you posted a before and after photo and um, you definitely looked a little bit different between the beginning and end. Yeah. So that, um, that after photo as well, that was after I'd been back and had a shower and got changed and all that as well. So the reason I'm a bit red was I was just a bit flush from the hot water. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think there was... It looked like there was some weight loss in the face there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, still had the same smile, I think. So. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Dead Cow Gully asked, how important was crew for your 76 yards and what qualities um, or what are the qualities of a good crew? Um, so, as we said before, 
they need to know the runner. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't have done that without the crew. There are, there are laps there where I just come in and just lay down. I'm like, I'm going to sleep. And then my crew is like looking at each other like, how are we going to get them out on this next lap? <laughs> but I'd, I'd said to them from the start, like, they just got to get me out to the start line. Um, pretty creative. Yeah. They just got to get me to the start line and then I'll, I'll get from the start to the finish. Mm. Um, so. You need some pretty good friends. Yeah. We've got some amazing friends. Yeah. Na- um, Cass and Nathan, who, yeah, pretty much before you'd even signed up, Nathan said, I'm coming. Yeah. Stop doing. Um, and they're always there for our events. And yeah, I couldn't do it without them. Yeah. And they've, um, they've proved me at events and stuff before. So they kind of know what they're in for. And they, they, still they know, yeah, they know how to get me, um, get me motivated. So, yeah. So one of the other things I'm interested in is how you improved, like from one backyard to the ultra, like one backyard to the next, like because the first one you did, the one that's on YouTube, um, Michael Hooker one, and you looked like you were finished at the end. How, how did you? How did you? Um, you must have made it a focus of yours to you fell in love with the back like the way I saw it is you fell in love with the backyard ultra and it, it made you um just want to improve and be pre- pretty much be the best at it. Is that am I right or wrong? Yeah, that's pretty much how it went. So I'd had zero preparation going into my first birdies. Um all I had was a, a tent with one bag of with food and one bag with trench clothes. Um, I was self-crewed for the first, what was it, eight hours or something. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you know, I, I know I can probably get to 24 hours and then I'll just kind of hang on, see how much longer I can do after that. So I did surprise myself with getting to 39. Um, and I just thought, well, if I can get this far without too much preparation, like if I focus on the preparation side of things and focus my training a bit more and, you know, work on doing the sleep and the proper nutrition and, things like that, like how much further can I go? So that was, yeah, kind of the, the catalyst for me because, um, yeah, just, just finishing as the assist, although um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that I got to that point, but at the same time it's like I was so close to winning. Like if I if I focus on this a bit more, maybe I can win one of these. Well, you don't know. You could have gone another 20. Yeah. Well, you never know, but... Oh, yeah, just basically pulled out all the stops and I looked at all the little things, like even like changing my shoelaces to elastic laces so I can get my shoes on and off quicker. Um, yeah, like the things like having showers and, um, yeah, having the sleep laps and even, even just like with my organisation, having the hanging organiser so all of my clothes and stuff are easy to see and grab and, you know, make, make things easier for the crew. All those those little things that people don't really think of um, but, you know, it might only make a tiny bit of a difference, but when you add all those differences up, at the end it makes a huge difference. Mm. <laughs> like how, how much do you actually, just on a normal day, do you think about Backyard Ultras, like, all day? <laughs> I definitely think about running all day. Yeah. Um, so, so running itself probably takes up about 15 hours a week. Um, but then everything else I do is focused on running. Like the way that I sleep, the way that I eat, 
um, when I'm going to the gym, um, you know, the meditation that I do, um, you know, going to the physio, going to the podiatrist, all of this stuff is all focused on how, you know, how is it going to make me a better backyard runner? Yeah. Do you do yoga? I don't do yoga. No, yeah. I do meditation. Yeah. But yoga is something I have kind of thought about, but it's just another thing to, yeah. it takes up time in the, in the schedule. Um, yeah. And you have time for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the kids. I'm, I'm not very flexible. Like I think <laughs> I think most runners aren't very flexible, so I think I need a lot of work at yoga to um actually get anywhere. <clears throat> and and you mentioned the gym. When you go to the gym, is that like like you lift weights? Is is that what you do? Yeah, so I do um the body pump classes, which is like low weights but high repetition. Um so yeah, it's like building strength without building mass. Um, just to keep like fit like the whole body not just you know my running muscles um and just i think it just helps with injury prevention and stuff mm. like that just using all of those different muscle groups and he likes the classes because they've got the music on you know the barbie girl or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so you'd obviously know the belgium team they did, had two runners that did 101 yards yeah um but they didn't neither of them wanted to continue and i've read around some people thought oh one of them there's no winner one of them should have continued what what do you think of that like do, do you have an opinion uh i don't know i think they they just both work so hard together to get to that 101 i don't think that they either wanted to see the other one lose and in a way i think it's just like yeah you know we're good enough we can get this far we don't need to prove anything but we'll just both finish now so uh, but yeah I, I think it's yeah i i don't think it's bad that they've done it that way um yeah i think they're they're probably capable of, of quite a bit more but they're just like no we're happy with that yeah yeah i, I think it's pretty cool really yeah yeah. yeah. And for someone who, someone like me, who's done two backyard ultras, I've done 16 and 22 yards. Like, what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to improve and like make 40, 50 yards? Like, do you have like an ad advice for those types of people? Yeah. So, don't set yourself a goal. Um, your goal should just be to keep going until you can't anymore. So as soon as you say something like, oh, I want to get to 24 hours, once you get to 24 hours, you might still have plenty more left in the tank, but your mind's like, oh, no, I've reached that goal now. It's okay if I stop. Mm. So don't set yourself a goal, um, but you do need to plan. So when you plan, have it go to something that's like completely unrealistic. So that's why mine goes up to 128 hours which I might revise and that, that <laughs> might increase again. Because that seems yeah. possible now. But you want to you wanna have your, your plan set to something that you don't think that you'll reach. So if, if, for example, you think you can get to 24 hours, make it at least double, make it at least 48 hours. I'd even go and say make it 72 hours because, yeah, you don't want to get to the end of your plan and be like, oh, no, this is a good excuse to stop now. So just just don't don't give yourself those excuses to to pull out earlier. You just want to, 
as long as you cross that finish line, get to that start line and, and try another lap. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, um, I think that's pretty much it. But so, look, congratulations on being the last one standing at the Satellite Thank World Conference. It was awesome to watch. It was awesome to watch. It was a great event. I am blown away by how good you are. And the crewing you did, Gemma, was awesome as well. Uh, I can't wait to see what you do next. And my aim is to be at the um, Dead Cow Gully Masters. So that I would love to be able to run with you there. So Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, You'll get so, there. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. Um, Thanks for having us. No worries. Um, Congratulations again and enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks. See you later. See ya. Bye.